Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. I was just telling our winner, Dustin, on the phone as I was getting his information, like, man, Dustin, I feel like I've got all these balls in the air. I'm juggling them, and I don't dare catch one of them because if I catch one, the others are going to fall down. But uh, We're here. We're live, and uh, thank you for tuning in to the Andy Griffin Show. I've got uh, in studio, kind of in studio with me, in studio through uh, another studio through glass is uh, Chris Hart, mayor of Ivan City. How's it going? Great, Andy. Thanks for having me on. Have I ever mentioned you have a really cool name? Chris Hart. Yeah, that's a great name. It is a great name. That's a great name. I like that. <laughs> I was, uh, we, we and uh, Allie were talking uh, yesterday about uh, if our names weren't our names, what names would we choose? And one of the last names that we both had kind of brought up was the last name of Hart, H-A-R-T, because uh, it, you know, it has a great connotation to it. So uh, Hart, that's a great last name. Now, what's your, what's the heritage of the last name Hart? I think it's English. Um, okay. Refers to, um, a deer. Oh, okay. Right, so right, right, right. You, right. you can call me a deer in the headlights, I guess. <laughs> so if your name was Buck Hart, that would be uh, redundant almost. It would be redundant. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, again, thanks for coming into the, to pro- the program today. Uh, we have lots to talk about. Obviously, we want to talk about Ivan City and, and uh, you know, your area where you live and have helped develop and be a part of. Uh, also, I thought it, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get your take on some of the national issues going on, including a lawsuit filed by the state of Texas. Uh, and and uh, just kind of, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm trying to get everyone's opinion on this because it's uh, on the one side you have people going, well, what, why is Texas filing a lawsuit about other states? And why has, uh, has 16 other states joined in, including the state of Utah? Uh, but the, the truth of the matter is the president, who, who is the president of the United States matters to every state because he's the president to all of us. And if there was some uh, unconstitutional things that went on, uh, I can at least see the point of, this, of, the, of the lawsuit. On the other hand, you have, you know, Spencer Cox and Gary Herbert going, well, now, wait a minute. Why, are we, why do we care? It shouldn't, shouldn't have anything to do with Utah because our, our voting was legitimate. And so I, I don't know. I thought I'd get your take on that, Chris. Well, to me, the most important thing is that is the integrity of our election system. Right now, I I certainly don't know what what is true and not true about what's been said about what happened, particularly in these swing states. Um, but if any of these accusations are true, it's a I think it's a cause for concern, regardless of who you voted for, because right. if um, if we can't trust our elections uh, going into the future, uh, we've got we've got serious concerns because that is as you know that's the franchise that allows us as uh, as residents of of the united states yeah. citizens to um determine uh, our our destiny and regardless of how how any election turns out um it's very important to me that by whatever means we ensure that uh that those uh, elections are conducted fairly and honestly, and uh, and the, the counts are accurate. When you know, I, I'm, I've been a sports broadcaster for many, many years, but I'm also a sports fan. I have my favorite teams and, and, and things. And uh, one of the the weird feelings you'll experience as a sports fan is if your team wins, but got a clearly, obviously bad call to get the win. Say they call some 
some uh, pass interference penalty that, that really wasn't, or maybe your, your guy fumbled it and they didn't call it a fumble or something like that, you almost feel guilty for winning. And so as I'm looking at the Biden fans out there, and like you said, it doesn't matter who you voted for, but in, in this case, a lot of the Biden fans are going, well, hey, you're just being a sore loser. But I would think Biden fans should be as much concerned about this as anybody in that the election be uh, the election process be preserved and be pure. Like you said, that that is part of being American is going out and voting. That's a huge part of being American. And if if we don't want to vote anymore because we feel like it's not going to matter that, you know, that it, they're, they're going to take it away anyway. Uh, well, that, that's a big deal. Well, I'm old enough to have, to have seen elections take place in different uh, countries around the world mm-hmm. that were uh, a sham, you know, and uh, a mockery to the idea of, of a population electing their leaders. Right. And uh, we've ridiculed that here in the United States for my lifetime anyway. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's crucial that we make sure that we don't become, you know, the, the, bund of, the brunt of the joke. Uh, around the rest of the world, we need to make very, very sure that that we handle elections properly. You know, the the Roaring Twenties, prohibition, and the mob ruling in cities like Chicago, uh, it was it was bad. I mean, they were paying. You know, they were fixing votes. They were paying. You know, uh, government leaders. They were on the take and stuff like that. But that was a dark period in the history of the United States. But fortunately, it wasn't widespread. It didn't. You know, it wasn't happening in Los Angeles. It wasn't happening in in Miami and, and, and Houston and places like that. It was happening mostly isolated to Chicago and a couple of other cities. And, uh, but, but I thought we were beyond that. I think that America fought really hard to get the election process real. And, uh, and so, yeah, this is, to me, that's the biggest frustration of all this is, you know, if, if I felt like if, if it's determined that the election was fair uh, and that they didn't change the rules midstream, which it seems like they did, uh, then okay, let's let's move on. But uh, anyway, all right. So, so I digress. Let's let's talk about Ivan City <laughs> a, a little bit uh, again. Let's get some history from from Chris. I, I probably it's been like a year and a half or so since at least a year since we actually found out how you ended up in Ivan's and and how Ivan's ended up being your hometown. Chris, can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I uh, I had moved to. Uh, the Idaho Falls area shortly after my wife, Sandy and I were married okay. and, uh, and established a development and construction company, uh, up there. How long did that take you? A few years? Oh, I mean, sure. It always does. Yeah. Uh, but, but we developed a very successful enterprise up there and, and built homes all the way from the Jackson hole area, all the way to sun Valley. Wow. <laughs> up through the vacation lands, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, mostly in, in the area surrounding uh, Idaho Falls. So the the climate there is is not really friendly to construction, not nearly like it is here. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, after after twenty some odd years, um, I just started looking elsewhere, and I had family that uh, had a part time uh, home down here, and we came down for for Thanksgiving and whatnot, and I I kind of grew to love the area, so I decided to uh, acquire some property down here and begin to develop in in the St. George area. And this is about uh, what year? Uh, 1997. Seven. Okay. And we, uh, we secured a real estate broker that was a friend of the family. And, uh, I flew down and we, we got, uh, driven around all, all the different areas in Washington County. And we happened to have ended up, uh, in the Winchester Hills area, looking at some property and came down through snow Canyon. 
and I just marveled at the at how beautiful oh, that yeah. that uh, rock was, and that whole canyon's just spectacular. And as we came out the mouth of the canyon into Ivan's, I looked around and I said to the broker, "Hey, you don't need to take us anyplace else. I don't know if there's any land available here or not, but this is where I want to build my homes." I, it was literally love at first sight, Andy. Nice. And I've I've loved it. Uh, I've loved it the same way ever since. Every morning I wake up and look at those spectacular mountains with the sun, you know, rising on them. It's a, it's just a surreal experience to, to live there. And even, you know, as much as we joke about the summers here, it, even though it gets pretty hot, it's, it's, it's not so oppressive. It's not Phoenix. It's not so oppressive. You can't stand it. I, you know, I grew up in Texas, Chris, and, uh, you know, it, was, it would get in the mid to high nineties. <laughs> we never got to a hundred, but the humidity was Oh yeah, eighty and ninety percent. I mean, you were literally soaking wet all day long from the humidity, and uh, I mean, it's it's a, oh, it's a dry heat. It, it really is a dry. It really does matter. If you've lived in a place with a lot of humidity, you know that it does matter. Well, the construction solution for heat mm-hmm. is early morning. That's right. Early morning doesn't work in the cold. Neither does late in the day. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So you uh, you ended up uh, put, uh, developing now that maybe maybe if you can uh, and uh, raise the curtain a little on on what being a developer means. So you bought land, and and you did you build homes without owners yet, and then you wanted to sell the homes, or did you wait to get buyers? Well, we yeah, the property we acquired was uh, was land near Tuacon. So as you drive up to Tuacon, you're essentially driving past a, a number of our projects, mm-hmm. and uh, you go through the the approval process for the development itself and um, create, you know, marketable lots. And, uh, yes, I built homes on, on, on most of those lots in those several subdivisions, or at least many of them. Mm-hmm. Did, did um, What were some of the special, um, unique problems to building out there in the, in the rocky desert that you hadn't maybe encountered before? Well, interestingly, uh, of course, I came down with a with an, a northern Utah slash Idaho mindset on on uh, uh, home types and styles, and of course, it's very different down here. So, adjusting to the architecture and learning it and um, perfecting it, you know, polishing it because I I design actually uh, most of the homes that I build. So you do it yourself. The architectural side of it is is kind of a fun thing oh, for me. Yeah. Uh, but it was it was exciting actually to uh, come to appreciate and uh, learn about these uh, these styles of architecture. You know the Santa Fe uh, Santa Fe style and flat roofs and so forth. And I've I've just grown to love it uh, totally. It's my it's my favorite favorite architecture in all the all the types I've built through my fifty almost two years now of being in construction. Were there were there uh, especially challenges though, uh, desert tortoise challenges, or, or rock problems, or no? Soil actually, problems? it's a it's a sweet place to build. Uh, that that big red mountain has been sloughing off sand for many millions of years, and mm. so we we don't have blue clay to deal with, at least in the areas where, where I developed. Oh, that's nice. Uh, interestingly, probably the biggest obstacle was when when I came to town was going through the approval process because the city had not matured in, in uh, the development of its ordinances and so forth. So uh, I remember going to my first planning commission meeting and uh, feeling like I was, um, I was standing before the firing squad. And the, the next time <laughs> they, they insisted the next time I came back that I brought 
a truck full of samples of roof tile and, <laughs> and wow. stucco and all that. Yeah. Uh, but but it, it showed the concern that the residents of the city of Ivans had in in um, de- in the, de- the determination that the city would be would have a character of its own. And uh, even though they were probably way off base in some ways, you know, from from a legal standpoint and insisting on all these things, um, I could tell that there was a real passion to um, to establish a character consistent with the the beauty of the surroundings of the city. And of course, uh, uh, as I became involved in government, at first it was self defense. I've got to say, <laughs> I, I went to participate in in meetings and so forth just to find out where things were headed. Yeah, and eventually was able to uh, to help out on on committees and so forth in in the development of their ordinances, and that led to a real interest in government. So I went to the planning commission ultimately, and then city council, and now I've been mayor for eleven years. It sounds like their hearts were in the right place, even if some of the stuff that they were saying wasn't necessarily legally in the right place. Yeah. Uh, one of the concerns uh, here in southern Utah has been affordable housing, uh, and I know uh, St. George and Washington have both put in some high-density uh, housing. Uh, is that something you think about and worry about over in Ivan's? Oh, very much. Uh, so affordable housing or attainable housing, um, there, there are only certain ways that you can reduce the, the cost of of, of a home. It can be subsidized or you can shrink the size of, of the lot or the land that, that is occupied by the, 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 the dwelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, beyond that, you know, you, you, you go vertical, that saves money. Um, you, you go for efficiency in, in design, uh, modesty in, in, uh, in materials, material usage and so forth. Right. So th- there are just so many ways to cut costs. And in a time like now, it doesn't matter how many of those uh, those mechanisms you employ, housing is still expensive. Yeah, it is. So we're required, actually, by federal law to uh, develop a uh, an affordable housing plan, and we, we have to amend that every year and submit it to the state. So we, we've looked at a number of different things to try and increase the inventory of, uh, of attainable housing. For one thing, we, we want it to be possible for our, our kids and grandkids and others who, who for example, a, a workforce that we so desperately need, we want them to be able to live in Ivan's. So, frankly, for the first time in, oh, a couple of decades, we now, beginning last year, have got some serious uh, uh, multifamily developments uh, either nearing completion or, or getting underway. And there's a, an objection to that, of course, because they're, they're more vertical, they're boxier uh, right. feeling and whatnot. But we, we've got some good ordinances in place that require some, some detailing on the, on the units so that they are not, are not just uh, boxes. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, folks that are used to driving through luxury uh, subdivisions, um, this is a pretty drastic change in the landscape for us. As a mayor and a developer, how do you deal with someone who says, hey, not in my backyard. Get those apartments out of here. We don't want those here. Well, I think that occurs everywhere. And, sure. and you know, you can't blame people. Uh, uh, the folks that came many years ago uh, established themselves on a, on a large lot, you know, kind of in the, in the middle of, of uh, fields rather than. Yeah, I'm in the, the middle of nowhere there for a while, yeah. And, and total access to views every direction. And, and so, you know, you, you see that starting to vanish with a with a, a project particularly one that that might be uh, really dominating 
and uh, and folks get upset and and uh, you know concerned. Some of the some of the concerns are legitimate. Some of them are kind of manufactured just as arguments to try and, and stop it. But you know, in this in this country, we've got we've got this. Uh, we, the individuals have the right to private property and to, and to use it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a delicate balance that has to be established between the interests of the many and the interests of, of the individual property owners or developers or whatever. And uh, that's what city councils wrestle with all the time. And you, yeah. you can tell, um, you can tell what, what the attitude is about a development by the number of people that show up at a, at a city council meeting, you know, sure. to testify in a public hearing. Um, generally if, if a project is, is acceptable to, to those that live around it. We don't see anybody, but but uh, we we can fill the room when we have one that's controversial. Have you have you had one of those meetings that you were surprised? Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's another boring council meeting, and all of a sudden the, half the town turns out. No, you get a sense in advance. Actually, oh. uh, you know, the emails come first, mm-hmm. and, and I totally respect those. I read every one of them. Uh, sometimes I don't have time to answer every one of them when we get them in volume. But, you know, folks raise concerns that, that uh, we take to our staff, city engineer and so forth. You know, are we going to have a traffic problem? Are we going to have a drainage problem? And uh, so our ordinance require that uh, developers provide uh, traffic, uh, traffic plans and modeling and, um, and drainage studies and so forth so that they can certify to our residents that they're not, not creating, uh, you know, an undue burden on the rest of the community. Awesome. Okay. So what we'll, what we'll do, we'll get a weather break in here. I'm talking with Chris Hart, Mayor of Ivan City. Uh, after the break, we'll take your phone call, 673-5890, if you have a question for Chris or for me. Or it doesn't necessarily have to be Ivan's related. It could be, uh, you know, lawsuit, <laughs> you know, Texas lawsuit related. It could be uh, COVID-19 related. Uh, but uh, we're talking on Mayor Thursday with Chris Hart. Uh, Chris, hang on a minute. We'll get that weather break in, okay? Sure. It's 929 on KDXU. We do have Southern Utah's most accurate and dependable forecast. Mostly cloudy skies moving into the southern portion of the state for today as a low-pressure system to the south of Utah tracks east. Could get some wet weather there in the Four Corners area. The southeastern corner of the state could tap into some rain and snow showers. In St. George, the high will make it to 58 under mostly cloudy skies. Cedar City will also see mostly cloudy conditions and a high of 48 for today. For southern Utah's most dependable and accurate forecast, I'm ABC Force Chief Meteorologist Alana Brophy. Still planning on visiting family or taking a holiday trip this year? Well, any lab test now offers COVID-19 RT-PRC testing. For more information, go to anylabtestnow.com. We're pushing 50 already this morning. It's 48 in Hurricane in St. George. It's 49 in Mesquite. Cedar is at 36 degrees. Our high, again, you heard Alana say it's going to be in the high 50s today. There's a little bit of a chance of rain the rest of the morning, but not much, like 5 to 10% chance. Uh, much higher chance on Saturday. So today and tomorrow, really light chance of rain, some, some partly cloudy skies. A lot colder, though, on Saturday, 50 for a high, 25 for a low, and about a 25% chance of rain as well on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, that uh, hopefully won't scare you away from coming to Harmon's. I'm going to be at Harmon's with Allie. Uh, we're going to be uh, raising money and food for the Utah Food Bank to try to uh, help feed people that uh, are having a hard time right now and, and struggling to get food on the table uh, that's at 2 to 4 on Saturday afternoon. We'll have some live uh, breaks here on the on the, uh, on the the air. But uh, just like to see you down at Harmon's at 700 South 
uh, as uh, we should have tried to do one out your way too, Mayor. But uh, we'll be at the Harmons on 700 South as we try to raise money and food for the Utah Food Bank. We'll be right back with more from Mayor Chris Hart and your phone calls after this. Every weekday morning at 9, Andy Griffin brings in the most relevant guests, tackles the top issues, and lets your voice be heard. heard. Only, Only on KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back to the program. It's the Andy Griffin Show and Mayor Thursday today. We have Mayor Chris Hart from Island City with us. Mayor, you doing all right over there? Doing well. Yeah, good. One of the things I miss, uh, unfortunately, I know it's a small thing. A lot of people are sacrificing a lot with COVID-19, but I miss having uh, you guys in the studio with me uh, because they, a lot a lot of times our best conversations come during the commercial breaks where <laughs> we can banter and kind of talk about things. And, and, and even it helps with the show, too, because, hey, uh, hey, mention this or, hey, we forgot about this or whatever. Now you're in the other studio, and I'm running commercials and, and filling out paperwork and stuff, and so we don't really get that in between. So I miss, hey, I miss that a little bit. You can give me a marker. I'll just write on the window here. And... <laughs> there you go. I guess we could text each other, but I don't know. <laughs> you, you and I, that's probably not our best thing, though. So uh, Anyway, we're talking with Ivan's Mayor Chris Hart. Uh, about, uh, I'd say three weeks ago, I had Spencer Cox on the program. And we chatted, we took some phone calls, and then he said, oh, hey, by the way, it looks like we've got things arranged to have uh, the inauguration in southern Utah. And I said, I said, what? Because I knew that it, you know, I thought that that was supposed to take place in the state capitol. It always had. And so I thought, well, that's cool, but I'm, I'm surprised. And he said, well, he said, I, I wanted people to know that it wasn't just lip service, that I want to be the governor for the whole state and not just the Wasatch Front. Uh, considering he's not from the Wasatch Front. And, and uh, sure enough, he followed through. It was, the official announcement was made, I think, on Tuesday that the inauguration will be in your city, Mayor, at Tuacon. Yeah, it's quite exciting. Um, I've gotten to know uh, the governor-elect over the last uh, few years, and um, I think he's, he's a champion of rural Utah. That's a, that's a nice thing. I've, I've um, spoken with him about some real issues uh, that, that impacted our city, and I've watched him uh, go back north and, and actually address those issues. So uh, I'm, in, I'm impressed with him and believe that he's going to be uh, good for my city and, and, uh, and all of rural Utah. Inauguration is, uh, what is it? January 4th. 4th. I was mm-hmm. going to say the 4th, and I thought, well, if I say the wrong date, then I'm going to screw everybody up. January 4th. Okay. Yeah, and I, I suspect they chose Tuacon, partly because it's just such an incredible venue, but mm-hmm. going to be outdoors, uh, so everybody's going to be wearing winter coats, I imagine. Well, now here's the deal. The, us from southern Utah are going to be wearing coats because to us, 35 or 40 degrees it's freezing but those folks from up north who are used to the really cold they're gonna be hey that's really warm yeah, sweaters down. probably uh, <laughs> well that's why they come down all winter long you know to enjoy yeah. our area here absolutely and and we love it here uh, i actually did a, a, a very short interview in between shows here while you were coming in they we had a, a film crew working on some things for jeremy larkin and uh i i was i was supposed to talk about jeremy larkin and our show but the uh the camera guy the the producer guy said well, I want to ask you, why do you like living in southern Utah? And I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, well, I thought we were talking about realty and, and Jeremy Larkin, but I'd love to talk about southern Utah, and I'll tell him kind of what, I, you know, what, what I've told the listeners before. I came down here in 1994. Uh, this was a stopping place on the way up my career. I was, you know, I was a, I was a budding sports writer 
I have since gotten the job offers from big papers in big markets. Uh, but uh, kind of jokingly, my wife said, well, you can take a job anywhere else, but I'm staying here. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, honestly, uh, that was a joint decision. We just we just fell in love with the place and raised five kids in this town. Uh, they all turned out to be pretty darn good kids, too, so uh, I'm proud of that. And unfortunately, uh, three of the five right now don't live in southern Utah anymore, and that's kind of one of the things we were talking about was the affordable housing and trying to get our kids so that they can be around us here. Uh, they'll work their way back. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. All right, then let's go to the phone line, 673-5890, by the way, if you want to be on the show and talk with me or with Mayor Hart. Uh, line one, caller, hey, who's this and how are you doing today? This is Richard. Hey, Richard. Morning, guys. Morning. Uh, you touched on something near and dear to my heart. I've been here forever. Mm-hmm. Not a native, but almost. The Tuacon area. Were you here when they started building that, or was that before your time, Mayor Hart? It was uh, just underway when uh, when I got here. In fact, they 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 were nearly uh, completed with it. And um, when did Tuacon? Yeah. I, I don't. It seems like it was 1995 when they when they launched their their first programming up there. Does that sound right uh, to you? Pretty close. But anyway, you remember when they first started it? We had the turtle crisis. We yeah. had to have turtle watchers. We had bring in supplies with horses, and then they had walkers to walk the vehicles in, and that was sacred land. And you say you're a builder, and you built lots of homes in that area. What happened to that sacred land? And by the way, what happened to that sacred land we had over by the Arizona Strip, where we had the milk vets, and that was had to be saved. And now, where we see wall-to-wall homes, what happens to the sacred land? <laughs> well, sacred land that is the. Uh private property uh, there are rights of course to the property owner so if you remember during that period of time where the hcp was being uh, created uh, and it was determined that 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 a portion at least of that land that was at that time owned by hiram smith who had planned to uh, do a a major development with a golf course in that whole area that's now occupied by uh, by a number of developments uh, that, that go across the base of the mountain. And uh, it was determined that, uh, that part of that was going to uh, have to be uh, taken, taken into the habitat. And then they determined that there would be parcels that were less, uh, less critical habitat that would be that the uh, developer, or in this case, Hiram chose to sell off these parcels, uh, three of which uh, uh, my family actually purchased. For, for development. So there, there is, you call it sacred land, it is pretty important land, and there's a, a lot of it that remains there. It's, it's since been uh, taken over by, uh, by the state park, and so it's, it's, uh, it's part of Snow Canyon, uh, actually, the, the area that you see as you drive into the open space before you get to Tuacon. But the other, the other developments were all, were all sectioned off in, in an agreement that was reached uh, between uh, Hiram Smith and the county, as as that HCP was created, don't know now much. About... Go ahead. One last that question. Now we're running out of building lots. I know Ivan's is about the edge. So how can we get land away from the Indians and keep building that direction? 
Good luck there. Seems like when there's money involved, we can do what we want when it comes to construction, right? Well, um, of course, the the uh, the reservations are uh, are claimed as sovereign nations, so it's very very complicated to to acquire. In fact, I, I come close to saying impossible to acquire land uh, in in the reservation. There are there are developers around the country that have reached agreements with uh, the Native American um, tribes to put development uh, of different kinds uh, on reservation land, but it's it's on a long-term lease basis rather than uh, than acquisition of property. You, Thanks, you, yeah, thank you for the call for today. Appreciate Thanks. it. Six seven. We had some people call, but then hang up. Six seven three five eight ninety. If you want to call and be a part of the program. Uh, we would love to hear from you. We're talking with Chris Hart, mayor of Ivan City. Uh, Chris, we're going to get one more commercial break in here, and uh, then we'll uh, and then we'll wrap up the show. Uh, it goes fast, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It goes really fast. It's already nine forty-four almost. Uh, by the way, Tuacon opened in April of nineteen ninety-five. I, go- I googled it. Googled ninety-five. It That's what I remember. I knew it was close because it it was not open when I got here, but the the, the buzz there was already a buzz about it. Uh, you know, when I got here in ninety-four, and uh, I was a, I. <laughs> I could probably couldn't afford to go to Tuacon when I first got here. We were pretty broke, but I, I can go there now. Actually, I mean, who hasn't had a great experience at one time or another out there at Tuacon? Well, Tuacon is an amazing story, Andy, and and he referred to what it took for them to continue with the construction of Tuacon. There was a there was a concerted effort to prevent it from happening, and uh, fortunately, there were ways found to get around that. I think there's a real balanced relationship now between habitat and and the use of, of some of these these properties like Tuacon. A concerted effort, you mean like by environmentalist types or well by, by the HCP itself. Okay. You know, the, the director was especially um, well, he was he was he made it very difficult, I'll put it that way. I'm glad that it's here. I know you are too. <laughs> I am too. All right, uh, we'll uh, take a break more with Mayor Hart in just a second. Uh, by the way, uh, Joe Shoney is a sponsor of this program, has been since its inception, actually a long, long time before I got here. Yeah, Joe Shoney's specialty is customer service. He's a loan officer, but he's not just a, okay, uh, you know, go in and apply, and then you don't hear from him again until it's time to sign papers. No, he will he will keep you update on, updated on exactly what's happening with your loan. It's Joe Shoney, uh, online reviews for Joe Shoney, 487 of them now, and he averages astoundingly 4.91 out of five stars. The la- last couple of five-star reviews, uh, let's see, this is Edward said, this is the second time we've used Joe. He's so easy to talk to and work with. I cannot believe how fast we got our mortgage. And uh, from Steven says, other than having to wait for the USDA office, everything went smooth from my angle, thanks to Joe Shoney. Two five-star reviews. They're, almost all of them are like that. It's phenomenal. It's Joe Shoney. His phone number is 435-590-6300. Welcome back to the program. Six seven three five eight ninety is the phone number. If uh, you uh, maybe have tried to call, you've noticed we finally have our hold function working. We had the longest time I couldn't put anybody on hold. It would distort their voices. We've got that all figured out, thank goodness. Uh, and tomorrow, for the very first time here on the program, we will have Allison Hamlin will be our producer. She'll be sitting where you're at right now, Mayor, and uh, she'll be taking the phone calls. Uh, when you call, you just give your first name and, and she'll ask you what topic it is you have on your mind, what kind of question you want to ask. Uh, and then she will convey that to me and we will, it'll be like, almost like we're a real radio station now, Chris. 
<laughs> so uh, you are a real radio. I know. I'm, I'm kidding around. I, but, uh, <laughs> but our phones have given us some major issues probably for six months now, and it's been really frustrating. But uh, Allison will be here uh, to produce the show. We're going to call her producer. That's what they call when they're in the other room and they take the calls. And anyway, uh, she'll be the Roz of the program. That's right, Roz, like on like on uh, uh, Frazier. Frazier. That's the name of it. Yeah, the Frazier show. Uh, I actually really like that show. I thought that was. Isn't it funny how we identify with Fraser, even though he's kind of a snooty jerk? <laughs> you, you know. Well, at least it at least it shows us uh, some things that we probably don't want to uh, have in our character. Well, and he, and, and he, in a way, he was kind of a, a lovable loser, snooty jerk too. So uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, that was a great show. Uh, yeah, Allie will be our Ross here on the Andy Griffin Show starting tomorrow morning. So uh, looking forward to that. There will be occasions where we won't need her. Where we'll have guests in and. And you know we won't need her to be taking. Calls I could have been your like producer that. today with as many calls as we've had. You you can well actually we got a couple on hold now. So uh, let's let's go to the phone lines. All right, caller, you're on with uh, with Mayor Hart and Andy. What's up? Hey, Mayor. Uh, the only reason I'm calling now, I don't have some great solution to anything here, but it's more of a given your background as both mayor and developer. Uh, a question I've always just had is I'm in the construction industry and and, and with impact fees. I understand why they're there. I understand the whole process of it. But one thing I've always kind of wondered it is it seems like the impact that that the growth and everything is having on, on you know, water supply, sewage, all these different things. But one thing it feels a little bit like is in the sense of just let's even think of it in the way of taxes. Instead of just sitting there tax the rich, tax the rich, tax the rich, how about we lower taxes but broaden the tax base? And what I mean by that is, we have tons of people that are moving here, and they're buying existing homes, and they don't have to pay an impact fee even though they are turning on their water, they are using that sewer, they are impacting this area with their being here and buying that home. Now, I, like I said, I don't know that they're – that's I, last thing I want to do is go create more fees and more expenses for someone trying to buy a home or – you know, anything like that across the board. But I'm just, I just sit here and I look, we keep, I mean, impact fees now are almost as much as what a, a, an entire home used to cost way <laughs> back when. And so it just seems like we just keep raising impact fees, raise impact fees because we we're having an impact. But there's also people that are moving here out of the area that are buying existing homes and they are creating an impact as well. And so I'd just like to get your take with both, you know, mayor side of mayor hat and developer hat. Well, thank you. So uh, impact fees are highly regulated uh, by the state. They require uh, studies to be done and uh, the establishment of actual impact before the uh, fees can be adopted by a city council. And those have to be reviewed uh, and updated roughly every five years, at least in our city. That's how we do it. When it comes to someone moving into the area and moving into an existing home, the rationale for there not being an impact fee there is that they are assuming the impact that was already created by the original uh, homeowner right. or, or the, the whatever family originally acquired acquired that piece of property. So, so, so they're not technically making it worse. They're not technically adding to the impact. They're simply right. assuming the impact that was uh, created uh, earlier on. Uh, so uh, I don't think you'll ever see anything show up in the form of a uh, of a tax, if you will, or, or fee to simply move into the area and, and acquire uh, an existing property. When it comes to new development, of course, 
there are very real impacts, and the impact fee uh, solution was created a number of years ago. I mean, I'm a, I'm a developer and builder. Every time I write out an $18,000 check, you know, yeah. for, for uh, a building permit that includes impact fees, and now the, the simply to get water um, is, you know, uh, over $10,000. And uh, it it does hurt to to do that. I I remember the first home I I built sold for eighteen thousand some odd dollars. <laughs> wow, fifty. Well, it's been forty some odd years ago now, and uh, so I I feel your pain. My my wife and I uh, we went to Utah State University. While we were there, we had an opportunity to buy a home, uh, but we didn't pull the trigger. But uh, in retrospect, of course, uh, we should have. Uh, the house, which included uh, about an acre of land and a couple of outbuildings, you can call them sheds. They were big sheds, basically, thirty-four thousand dollars. Yep, we didn't do it. We were like, we were chicken. <laughs> that was a lot of money. You know, we were chicken. Of course, minimum wage back then was was five fifty or, or maybe I think it was it was it wasn't three thirty-five anymore. I think it was five fifty. But well, you'd have made out like a bandit when you sold it. The problem is then you've got to buy something else, True. and uh, it's just as expensive as what you sold. True. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Line three, caller, you're on with Andy with Mayor Hart. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for calling. How you doing, Mayor? Fine, thank you. You? I had a question. Uh, probably a lot of people have. Just real quick. You know, uh, the veterans in the veteran home? Yes. Just wondering, how do you guys actually make a determination, uh, myself being a veteran and actually up and work on that particular place, now not being in Laban, actually in Ivan's, how do they determine, you know, how a veteran actually works there, being a you know veteran that lives here? Uh, did you say work there or how you... How you uh... But how do they get, determine, you know, who gets there next? Oh, well, uh, I'm not on the inside of their management, but as I understand it, uh, for one thing, it, it, it has nothing to do with being a resident of Ivan's or even Washington County, actually. That veterans' home serves, I believe, seven seven southern Utah counties. So, um, and I don't, I think you could even apply if you lived outside of those seven counties. I'm not sure. But, but uh when you determine that there's going to be that need, um, you you end up on a list, a waiting list, if you will. Uh, I'm told that that list uh, changes frequently, and sometimes, uh, you know, it looks like you might have to wait two or three years to, to get in there, and uh, with circumstances of, of, you know, people passing away and so forth, it, uh, it happens quicker than that. But I, I do know that there is a is a waiting list. That first of all, uh, I believe you go through a qualification process. So you submit the papers, you know, to and they certify mm-hmm. that that you're a, you're a vet or that you're the spouse of a vet, and uh, and then you get on on this list. As you know, they have a, a memory care unit there, and that I think that's a, a separate list because the needs are are somewhat different in in that wing of the building. But yeah, it's kind it's kind of a waiting game. So. Um, I, I wish that well, we could double that. I was wondering, being a veteran, of, you know, was all over the world, but lived here and grew up here, and, you know, helped work on a lot of homes, built a lot of homes here. You know, there was hardly anyone when we moved here, and you see a lot of people move here, and you wonder, will I ever live in that building? Yeah. And so it's good to know the process. Well, I, I certainly wouldn't blame you for... Uh, 
for putting in an application because the care that our vets get in that facility is absolutely wonderful. I've, I've been there, not, not through COVID, of course, but I've been there many, many times and visited with, uh, with hundreds of, of uh, vets in that facility, and uh, they just report universally that they are so well cared for, that they're fed well and, and treated kindly, and, and uh, I'm just grateful to have that facility in our, in our beautiful city. How many, uh, how many uh, beds do they have? How many people live there? 112, if I remember right. Oh, all right. All right, done. Let's keep moving. The line four caller, you're on with Andy with Mayor Hart. We've got about uh, four minutes left in the show. What's on your mind? Good morning, gentlemen. Morning. Good morning. Uh, Mayor, you had said earlier in the program about uh, uh, housing, and I think Andy used the term affordable, and you used the term obtainable. And you said there were basically two things that we could do about that. Number one, we could subsidize it. And number two, I guess we could build smaller houses, smaller lots, and the second part of that certainly isn't happening. We're not building uh, houses that are 1,200 square foot on a, on a you know, small enough piece of property where the average uh, person who lives in Washington County could afford to buy those houses. So now we're back to uh, subsidizing. Where that money would come from eventually comes from the federal government because the state and the cities don't have anywhere near the kind of money to do that. And, of course, we know the federal government is broke, and they're printing money like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't see this as being a, a sustainable uh, situation. And you really didn't talk on the other side of that. Something being affordable comes from the fact that somebody has a job or a career, and they can afford to buy a house. We have a, a community that's become uh, almost dominantly uh, a retirement community where wealthy people move into the area and they buy up the houses, and, of course, that drives prices up. What I would like to know, and no mayor that I've spoken to, so you're, you're probably not going to be uh, the lone wolf in this, okay. but we, we don't seem to have any uh, emphasis on trying to bring uh, careers to the area so that those of us that have children and grandchildren that live here, that we want them to stay, they're unable to do that. Because of the jobs that do pay decent wages, for example, uh, construction, a lot of those are illegal aliens. I, I defy you to find a, a framing crew that's not predominantly illegals. And so my question is, what effort or how much effort is being placed on the other side of the equation of increasing wages, increasing income, and bringing uh, opportunities for the young people to stay here? Good question. So I believe there's more emphasis on that than you might be aware of. Uh, the county has the county has uh, an, an economic development uh, arm. Uh, I, the city of St. George does. Washington City does. Ivan City doesn't specifically, but it, it in our general plan, it is a uh, a real concern that we uh, that we develop an economic base. In our case, that is uh, moving in the direction that we forecast. Uh, forecast several years ago that it might, and that is in the form of uh, of resort development. We have a couple of major ones uh, mm -hmm. underway uh, out there now, and th those are going to provide jobs. A, a lot of them, I'll grant you, not high-paying jobs, and that amplifies the problem of attainable or affordable housing in that, uh, you know, where are we going to lodge uh, these good people that are going to be serving the, the guests who uh, who come to these facilities? So, I mean, you've touched on uh, a really a significant um, concern countywide, 
and that is that we that we somehow attract the kind of industry that that is is going to uh, uh, afford some higher paying jobs. You see that happening on Tech Ridge. I give uh, high marks to St. George City for for uh, putting that in place and trying to attract the uh, the higher paying jobs that are associated with tech. Got to cut you off, Mayor. We're out of time. Uh, great calls today. Great questions, and Mayor, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thank you, Andy.